I ran out of spicy water this weekend, and I'm very upset. I still have a case of spicy water in my trunk, but it's Mm. been heated and cooled and reheated so many times. We're like, I'm sure it's fine, but I need to put it in the fridge before I feel comfortable drinking it because I like sometimes I'm fine with like warm sparkling water. Yeah. But that uh, it's been in my trunk for about three weeks because I had so many other cases to finish off, and then that one's just. For the summertime weather, I got a twenty-four pack or whatever of Gatorades, so. Yeah. That's fine, but spicy water or something bubbly. I'd, One I'd Gatorade nervous. is always really weird, yeah, but it's, it's fine. Weird, but it's, it's, it's you're fine. like, I know this is good for me. <laughs> yeah, that's not the only time you've made that noise. And also, you can use the empty Gatorade bottle because of its hard plastic to wake a Colin man up because he's sleeping in a half hour past the time that we're supposed to start recording. That was a, that last week was very interesting. Apparently, it makes a really loud noise and it wakes the dead. When it hits a window. He is definitely dead, at least on the inside. Bye bye comic, that might cost more than a dime. Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. We are without Colin Man this week. He is um, doing things and stuff, and we are not. Definitely not people, though. Just things and stuff. No, just things and stuff. Yeah. Colin um, would never dream of doing people. You, you start in with, we are without Colin, but... We have to explain who we are. We are the Dime Comic Bros Podcast. A couple of broke dudes sitting around a microphone talking about comic books and games and movies that we probably got for cheap. I mean, broke is relative, but yeah, we're still definitely broke. We're all still definitely broke. Yeah. Combined, we're still broke. (laughs) Um, My computer froze for a minute. I was like, oh no, we gotta do that again. No, 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 no. I hate that song with a burning passion. Yeah, it gets a little annoying. Uh... Especially because it's used so often for TikTok videos that my stupid coworkers are watching over and over and over again. Or it's that like, I'm about to, oh no, your face. Or more like this, that stupid Colin man is sending to us that I keep clicking on, hoping it'll be a good one. I don't click on them. He hasn't learned that I don't click on them. Yeah, I know. Um, I wait for the discourse and try to piece together what happened, but oh dear Lord. I don't click on them. I wait for the discourse. That is something that has never been said online, ever. Um... What's Except, online? Good, good question. All of the discourse. <laughs> um, it is a, um, it is boilingly hot. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a, it is a chill vibes week. M- one because Colin is not here, uh, and two, it is evening, on a weekend, after working. A lot of work. I worked uh, hard yeah. at work, and then I moved your family into a new house, and it's like forty degrees Celsius apparently. Which, I don't it, speak. It cracks me I don't up speak bonger. That there are so many freaking British people online going, "Oh my gosh, it's forty degrees today." It, it just doesn't translate well. They are actually boiling to over us there, Americans. So uh, yeah, it, we are not in the good old United of Kingdom or in Australia, yeah, which is also very we're nasty. Free. Right? It's called liberty. Bitch. Oh, oh goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> Being oppressed by the sun right now, though. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so it's not quite as bad over here as it is over there. But 98 it, today. From being from New England, where it typically doesn't get super nasty, uh, it has been disgusting, and the rain keeps teasing me and not coming. So It's been a strip tease, but the rain has not come. Yeah, no. Uh, just a little waft of it goes across the air, and then <laughs> disappears again. Um, so so uh, what? what's with all the jokes about... England not having air conditioning. Is it a legit thing, or is it just a joke? I think it's just to make fun of British people. Um, I don't know if there's anything else there. 
I, I genuinely don't. Okay. Despite the fact that most of the podcasts I listen to are from British people, I have no idea, man. Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're still bitching that it's hot, but they're inside, so they must have air conditioning. Something like that. Air uh, conditioning has been around since Nikola Tesla lit the electrical outlet, so... Speaking of uh, air conditioning, uh, a place that has air conditioning, but is probably still disgustingly hot, uh, San Diego Comic-Con just happened. That's because of all the sweaty neckbeards. Yes. Um, and Breathing heavily. Because the next Marvel movie's announced. <laughs> a lot of underwear was sullied uh, in the past few days. So not all of this news is explicitly from San Diego Comic-Con, but we have a lot of news to run down. And honestly, all offense intended to Colin, this will make it a lot faster to get through because we can just run through it without having... We can be adults and not re about it. This is true. Although, Colin does sometimes have literally nothing to say about something. Yeah. So, I guess I can't yeah. throw stones anyways. Yeah. All right. Um, from DCComics.com, before Dr. Harleen Quinzel became the notorious Gotham City villain known as Harley Quinn, she was a renowned psychologist who was gifted at getting in the heads of some of Arkham's most disturbed patients. Are you ready to let her into yours? I sense... Horny baiting. Why did you say patients instead of residents? I am retarded a... and I can't read. Okay, I just want to make sure you didn't have an updated copy. Nope, I just can't read. All right. Spotify announced their latest audio series produced in partnership with Warner Bros. and DC, Harley Quinn and the Joker Sound Mind, a dark psychological thriller featuring Gotham's most infamous pair. Developed, written, and directed by Elo Horowitz, Harley Quinn and the Joker Sound Mind promises to give us Harley's perspective on her seductive descent into infamy. It's directed by Eli Horowitz. That's what I said. You said Elo Horowitz or something. I'm re- am yeah. I that dumb today? I'm, I'm just clarifying. <laughs> uh, leading the cast as Harley is Christina Ritchie, the Adams Family, and Sleepy Hollow star who recently scored an Emmy nomination for her role in Yellow Jackets. Joining her will be No Time to Die's Billy Magnuson as the Joker and Justin Hartley from This Is Us as Batman. DC fans will know that this is hardly Hartley's first DC project, having played a very Batman-like Oliver Queen for multiple season, seasons of Smallville, as well as an unhinged Man of Steel in the Injustice animated film. If this is anything in comparable to Batman Unburied in terms of quality, I am very pleased. Yeah, um, that was a very enjoyable show, a uh, radio drama from Spotify. I was surprised at how good it it turned out to be so uh, more is better <laughs> yes from dccomics.com there once was a shining city on the water a home for families hope and prosperity it was gotham and it was glorious the story of its fall from grace the legend that would birth the bat has remained untold for 80 years that's about to change Eisner Award-winning writer Tom King and legendary storyteller Phil Hester team up for the first time to craft the definitive origin of Gotham City, how it became the cesspool of violence and corruption it is today, and how it harbored and then unleashed the sin that led to the rise of the Dark Knight. Night falls quickly in Gotham City, said Hester. The shadows cut across guilty and innocent alike. I feel lucky to be the artist to show you just how the city got so dark in the first place. 
King and Hester, along with Eric Gepster, Jordi Belair, and Clayton Cowles, launch Gotham City colon Year One on October 4th. Taking place two generations before Batman, private investigator Slam Bradley gets tangled in the headline-grabbing Kidnapping of the Century as the infant Wayne heir Helen disappears in the night, and so begins a brutal, hard-boiled, epic tale of a man living on the edge and a city about to burn. Having written a ton of Batman comics, said King, I can say it's incredibly rare to write a book like this where you can add something large and essential to the mythos of the Dark Knight, as Scott did with Court of Owls, or Grant did with the introduction of Damien, or Frank did with, well, everything he touched. That sounded like he couldn't come up with something nice to say. In Gotham City Year One, Phil and I will take you to a noir-drenched past where the secrets that made Gotham become Gotham, the sins that made Batman become Batman, are finally and violently revealed. The six-issue run will publish between October 2022 and March 2023. I am stupid excited. This sounds like, hey, remember... A time before assholes drove motorcycles? <laughs> Do you remember when Star Wars said, we're all out of sequel stuff, let's go back <laughs> and do High Republic? That's kind of the same idea here. That's the vibe I'm getting, and it worked for Star Wars, so hopefully it works for Batman. Um, I'm particularly interested in the artwork in and of itself. I really like Phil Hester, but they're really leaning into a very noir. The whole book is black and white, apparently. Mm. Um, very drenched in shadows. The preview was very nice. Um, and this is seemingly Bruce's grandmother on the Wayne side, so that's interesting. I, I always like the mythology of Gotham City, regardless of however tangentially related to Batman or not really related to Batman it is. It's just interesting. I'm really excited. This looks good. Yes. And anything Tom King touches is great. So. He's he's had a much better run on doing Batman limited series than he did on the ongoing so far, Oof. it seems. It just general reception has been a lot stronger, so it makes sense that they're letting him keep going back into the well. Yep. From DarkHorse.com, this October, Darsh... Dark Horse Comics will publish Hellboy in Love, an all-new five-issue comic book series featuring occult adventure and unlikely romance by legendary Hellboy creator Mike Mignola, best-selling novelist Christopher Golden, award-winning artist Matt Smith, colorist Chris O'Halloran, and letterer Clem Robbins. In the series' opening tale, the two-part Goblin Knight, sounds like something Colin would write, (laughs) Hellboy has been assigned to protect a shipment of occult artifacts from a gang of thieving goblins. The artifacts are being transported by train to the British Museum by archaeologist Anastasia Bransfield, and she's not going to let them go without a fight. Rather than stay behind, she teams up with Hellboy to chase the light-fingered fae through the British countryside and into a local punk show. It's been 25 years since Dr. Anastasia Bransfield first appeared as Hellboy's ex-girlfriend in my novel Hellboy The Lost Army, says Golden. I've always thought one of the reasons Mike considered my three Hellboy novels as canon is because of that relationship. Over the years, we talked many times about telling the stories of their adventures together, and the day has finally come. It's romancing the stone-style action, occult weirdness, and first love with gorgeous Matt Smith art. We are having so much fun. If Colin was here, he would be dying inside from excitement. And I'm really interested with all the recent Hellboy developments. We have the previous young Hellboy book that wrapped. 
there's a current one that's going on right now. We have this and all the Hellboy and the BPRD stuff. It And Mike is involved heavily with a lot of it, and Matt Smith seems to have pretty much replaced him as, like, the primary Hellboy artist. Not to mention all the Baltimore and Lobster Johnson. Lobster. And BPRD. Like, there is so much Mignola-verse. Heckin' yeah, dude. still growing. It. It's kind of annoying to try to collect it all. That is true, which is which is why I'm kind of hanging back and watching. But it is nice that it's... It feels more like they're... Because a lot of it recently has been miniseries. They're going, we have a story we want to do, we'll do yeah. it. And then we'll greenlight something else if we want to. Rather than it being, you know, Mike has his book and he'll put out stuff whenever. Which was cool. It seemed to have worked for him. But having an ongoing title with no end in sight doesn't seem to work super well for a lot of things and right. it recently especially with this much content this many books running at the same time oh Witchfinder too yeah it's good i think that they're all somewhat limited in scope so that way they have more time to react to feedback and whatnot i don't know anything about these three novels that this gentleman is talking about they're very good they were kind of glorified fanfic but in like the good way hmm. they're like soft canon it, Another canon. So yeah, that's cool. It sounds like he has a really good relationship with Mike and they make good stories, so hopefully they can make good stories together. Also, Hellboy Romance, yay. I Colin, figured Colin might be iffy on that. I don't know, man. It has to end in tragedy well, for it course. to be okay. Well, this is I'm this is set before he's dead, so it's much much so set in tragedy. From Marvel.com, this October, join Marvel Comics and some of your favorite heroes for tales of Fang's claws and silent stalking swamp creatures to celebrate All Hallows' Eve in Crypt of Shadows number one. Paying homage to the original 1970s Crypt of Shadows anthology series, this giant-sized one-shot will feature a collection of stories that showcase just how creepy the Marvel Universe can be. Fans can expect supernatural adventures starring Moon Knight, Wolverine, Elsa, Bloodstone, Man-Thing, and Werewolf by Night, plus the return of Bloodline, the daughter of Blade, who made her first appearance earlier this year in Free Comic Book Day, colon, Avengers slash X-Men number one. Bringing the horror will be... An incredible lineup of talent, including former Marvel editor Chris Cooper, known for his groundbreaking work on the original Darkhold series, with a story featuring Morbius and the star of Cooper's Darkhold saga, Victoria Montesi. Joining him with spine-chilling tales of their own will be creators Al Ewing, Danny Lore, Rebecca Rowanhorse, Adam Warren, Chris Condon, Karen S. Darbo, Jeff Shaw, Ibrahim Mustafa, and more. This is what I live for. Put it in my veins and in my eyelids. Like, Alright, so they did Amazing Fantasy recently, trying to bring that back, and it was kind of mediocre. So at first I was kind of iffy on what I was reading, because it was still news to me, even though I got a preview of the news. Um... But with it just being a collection of short stories by really good writers, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's just a one-off, fun, multiple-story issue, like oversized issue. So it's pretty hard to mess that up. <laughs> true. Very, very true. Exclusive from comicbook.com, Marvel is on the verge of releasing a new Ant-Man series to celebrate the character's 60th anniversary, and it's slightly different from volumes of the past. For instance, not one, but four different Ant-Men will star in the book, bringing together every character that's donned the red costume and silver helmet. 
The original, Hank Pym, The Irredeemable, Eric O'Grady, and The Thief, Scott Lang, along with a future character billed as The Future. This future Ant-Man is traveling to the different eras to recruit his predecessors to help defeat a foe only the four of them can beat together. I'm a sucker for these types of stories, and when I say a sucker, I mean a fucking sucker for these. I am getting on board with the Jessica Jones version of this that's coming out pretty soon, or might have already come out, whatever, that whole thing. Uh, Thor does this multiple times all over the place. I like multiple eras of people teaming up. Except Gimme. when it's Spider-Verse. <laughs> well, I like Then some... you're 50-50. Yeah, it depends on... Yeah. I don't know anything about the irredeemable Eric O'Grady. He... Who so... so, you know how, uh, despite the fact that Hank Pym beat his wife, uh, like, 80 years ago or some crap? Okay, like it was more like 50 years ago. It was ages ago. That's still one of the things he's remembered for most distinctly, which is rough. Um, Big oof. Eric O'Grady's much worse. Whoa. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot for a Marvel book for a main say, character. That sounds like a Max storyline. He's. It's not super graphic, but he is irredeemable for a reason. Dang. Um, Hank Pym has gone through multiple arcs pretty recently, which I've been kind of keeping tabs on out of curiosity because of the fallout from Age of Ultron, which was ages ago. Um, but uh, mm, gimme. What era was this O'Grady guy? I think it was really popular in like 2010. I'm going to look it up because really? it's going to bother me. Hold on. First appearance was 2006. Uh, there's a notorious panel that he features in, which you may remember. No. Okay, well, he's pretty rough, and he's never been redeemed, or really has any redeeming qualities. He just... The... I think it's funny she's wearing a bikini top in the shower, though. It's something. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I just like these types of stories. I'm a dork. I, I like the whole teaming up with different versions of yourself, whatever mm. stuff. I'll give you the short one, because autism. <laughs> From DCComics.com, during San Diego Comic-Con, fans heard firsthand about what makes Gotham City such a rich background for storytelling, as they were treated to some exclusive reveals of current and upcoming series. Moderator and DC Executive Editor Ben Abernathy spoke with Evan Narcisse, Ram V, Teeny Howard, Sean Gordon Murphy, and Jock on why Gotham is the perfect setting for a good story. The panel began with an exclusive announcement of the upcoming comic book Batman colon Gotham Knights hyphen Gilded City, written by Evan Narcisse and art by Abel, the official prequel to Warner Brothers Games' highly anticipated video game. Now, that's a controversial statement. How anticipated is the game? Not highly. Fight me. It's DC. They're going to hype up their own stuff. Abernathy spoke with Narcisse about the six-issue limited series and setting the stage for the video game in what becomes Batman's final case before his mysterious death. Both the series and the video game release worldwide on October 25th. Howard spoke with Abernathy about her current run on Catwoman, including the organized crime elements of Gotham with, with artist Nico Leon, Caitlin Yarsky, and Sammy Bassery. She then dropped Jaws throughout room 6DE, 
when it was announced that she's bringing back 2021's breakout character Punchline in an all-new limited series. Available 20... Uh, available October 25th, Punchline The Gotham Game will be co-written by Howard and her husband, writer Blake Howard, known for Batman Urban Legends and Vault Comics' Vampire the Masquerade, with art by Gleb Melnikov, known for Robin Future State Superman Worlds at War. Abernathy revealed three new series for the first time ever. First was The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, a new ongoing series written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Carmine... Carmine... Carmen D. Gian Domenico, launching on October 4th. Batman Incorporated spins out of the events of the Abyss storyline in Batman and the 2022 Batman Annual and is written by Ed Brisson with art by John Timms and arrives in comic book stores on October 11th. Finally, Academy Award-winning screenwriter John Ridley and artist Stefano Raphael explore the gritty world of Rene Montoya and the Gotham City Police Department in a new limited series launching on October 18th, GCPD colon The Blue Wall. So that was a lot. That is a lot. Uh, the Joker series was originally going to be a second portion of the Joker series that James Tynan wrote, but they decided to split them up. So the James Tynan run is complete now with the last issue out I think last month. I might be wrong. Mm. Um, so this is just a different series that stacks on top of that. Um, the fact that they're saying the tie-in to the video game, uh, they're, they're saying Batman's mysterious death has me thinking it's a fake. They're going to bring him back in the video game. Oh, probably. He'll be... He is the final boss. You can't kill the Batman. Yeah, that I'm not... T- it's a It's a tie-in. It'll probably be fine. You know? Yeah, it's just setting up the video game, and you'll see ten of these in the back room right. in the 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 lowered price, the, the don, clearance the, rack. Yeah, the clearance rack. Yeah. Um, Punchline getting her own series is nice. I quite like that character, and I was wondering when she was going to come back. Um, and then the Batman Incorporated stuff is, I looked into it a little bit more. It's going to be led by Ghostmaker, who is one of the more recent uh, introduced, mo- more recently introduced characters as part of the bat family so that's a thing we Um, all know my stance on politics in video games and i thought you were gonna take a heavy sip for the for the microphone i don't even have the energy for that all right um Calling it GCPD, the blue wall, sounds like thin blue line police propaganda. And you and I have very different uh, opinions on that stuff. (laughs) I think that's intentional. Well, obviously, the whole thin blue thing. But the fact that they're calling it a wall instead of it's it's not a thin line. It's a a brick fucking... It's a brick militarized wall, I think, is pretty clear. I just like Renee Montoya. It turns me off. I'm not interested in politics and propaganda. <laughs> Who knows, man? Um, I'm interested to know what you think of it when it comes out, though. I'll probably read it at some point. Craven's Last Hunt writer J.M. DeMattis returns to the character this November for Spider-Man The Lost Hunt, a five-issue limited series with art by Eder Messias. The book will detail the origins of Craven the Hunter. So... 
Craven has a, had a really weird publication history. He has died a couple of times and come back, but the stories in which J.M. DeMattis has written him have all been phenomenal. Um, his original introduction and death are just one of the better Spider-Man stories that I've read in my life. So getting this as like a prequel sort of thing is nice. The fact that it's still called a Spider-Man title is probably a necessity of marketing, but I'm down. Craven's Last Hunt is the fabled book that we will never review on this show. We have given it a solid attempt three times at least. At least. Every at time least. we try to do it, we have to keep rescheduling or one of us gets sick or so we someone said, doesn't read it. F it. We're not going to review this book. It's one of the greatest, apparently. But we're not going to talk about It'll it. It'll be our last episode ever when Oof. we're all on our deathbeds or we are all getting engulfed by nuclear holocaust. So next week? Yes. Okay. From Marvel.com, Marvel's famous Next Big Thing panel at this year's San Diego, San Diego Comic Con just concluded, and as always, it was filled to the brim with announcements, first looks, and teases about the future of the Marvel Universe. Stop me if you have a comment. Marvel Comics visionary Jason Aaron will unite his work on Avengers, Avengers Forever, and Avengers of 1 Million BC into one incredible epic in Avengers Assemble, all caps, exclamation point. Aaron will kick off the saga with superstar artist Brian Hitch in November's Avengers Assemble Alpha, one shot before crossing over between issues of Avengers and Avengers Forever, all caps, exclamation point. Jason Aaron has been having a lot of fun over on the Avengers titles in the past few years, and although what I've read has been kind of mixed, he looks like he's having fun, so I don't want to make him stop, you know? Yeah. It's just one of those things. You're like, I'm, I don't know if it's great, but like, he, he, he looks like he has smiles. That's nice, but it's going to be a pain in the ass in a couple of years trying to get everything because it's three avengers titles all crossing over and circle jerking um i believe avengers forever is a mini series if i remember correctly when we discussed that a while ago so mm -hmm. i feel like it's probably going to collect fairly well on a trade interesting they're probably just waiting you know until it's over yeah. to some extent i mean we've gotten the uh donny cates ryan stegman uh venomnibus from comics that only came out like four years ago 2018 i think yeah it started in 2018 yeah. and the yeah that was that got pumped out pretty quick as an omnibus i think and, it's releasing in october yeah and then the king in black omnibus is coming out shortly after that the same time basically yeah and that's the conclusion of that and then um i believe it's absolute carnage was around the same time period as well same thing that's with been the, out for a that's while that's been out for a while that one got pumped out very I that think. was like six month turnaround to be an omnibus so yeah Marvel and DC have been getting a lot better on their collected edition game, just in general, so right. it'll probably be fine. Hopefully. From throughout time and the far corners of the multiverse, the mightiest heroes of all the Earths are assembling as never before for a battle beyond all imagining, a war that will take us from a prehistoric beginnings of an Earth under assault by the greatest villains who've ever lived to the watchtower that stands at the dark heart of the all and the always, where an army of unprecedented evil now rises. The biggest Avenger saga in Marvel history begins now. When they say Watchtower, are they talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses? Because that's really funny. <laughs> that would be funny. From the fantastical mind of creator Trad Moore, known for Silver Surfer Black, 
comes a Doctor Strange story like you've never seen in Doctor Strange Fall Sunrise. Launching in November, the four-issue limited series sees Doctor Strange awaken alone in a, in a distant world not his own. Lost in purpose and surrounded by danger, the wandering sorcerer must explore this land of blades and mystery to unravel arcane secrets and escape the deadly horrors that lie in wait. So, I'm actually, this is one of the things out of this whole pile of crap I'm the most excited for because... Doctor Strange. Yes. Um, also, he's still dead. Um, since the death of, Do I think I said this when I reviewed it a month ago tops, uh, since the death of Dr. Strange, he hasn't been seen. He died at the end of that event, like properly. And then his ex ex potential ex-wife Clea took over the role of Sorcerer Supreme for multiple realms. She got her own miniseries, which I think is wrapping up around now. So whilst I, this didn't explicitly say it has anything to do with that, uh, Marvel doesn't do a lot of out-of-continuity out of stories that aren't relevant, and Doctor Strange has had a very troubled publication history over the past, like, ten years. I've been tracking it. It's a nightmare. Mm. Um, but they all do tie into each other. They just keep getting canceled all the time. I'm pretty confident this is going to be him dealing with him whole being dead thing. Uh, also, the art looks insane, and I'm super excited. Excellent. Stoked. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur's highly anticipated new solo series will arrive in December. Written by Jordan Ifueco and drawn by Alba Glez, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number one will begin a brand new era for the breakout young hero as the smartest person in the Marvel Universe also takes her place as one of the greatest heroes. Okay, so I have zero familiarity with any of this, but you have mentioned this offhandedly at some point or another, and I don't know why. Please explain. I don't remember why. I think it was a War of the Realms four issue series or something but um i lost my mind when it was announced i thought it was going to be a disney plus tv show i thought they were finally bringing her to uh. disney plus because we just watched ms marvel and it's like it makes perfect sense in my mind so i was wrong when the announcement came out because i really really thought they were going to do that but it's just um another comic line and that's fine, because honestly, it's... I honestly think Colin would love that comic. Like, I've told him before to look into it. He was like, yeah, well, it never has. Why? So it's just weird and funny and quirky. Hmm. It might not be perfectly for him, because it's a young girl instead of a young boy. With their pet dinosaur that is demonic or something, I don't know. But it's not your typical Marvel comic character that's huh. extremely quirky nice and weird it's not for me i think it might be collins alley now i'm interested um netflix released the first trailer for the sandman streaming august 5th it looks glorious it looks i really nutted good. so many times i'm nervous about how excited i am because i don't want to be disappointed so the one thing with this that i was kind of nervous about which we've it's netflix they've had very rough history on adaptations oh yeah but something that Neil Gaiman came out and said to make very clear was this wasn't actually produced by Netflix. They have the distribution rights. This was made by some subsidy of WB. It was effectively one of the people that works on like all of the HBO shows. Warner Brothers isn't the best name to put on there either. But 
it's not being made specifically by Netflix. Yes, it's just and they just happen to have bought it. Um, and that's the whole Neil Gaiman being super involved in it and like having a hand in the casting and whatnot, it makes me super excited. Yeah. A couple of the shots do like a little wonky CG wise, but yeah. the fact that the whole show visually is very on point with the very ethereal nature of the comic. I probably won't care if some of the CG is weird because all of it is weird in concept. Yes. Like some of the crap doesn't look real because it's not supposed to, you know, yep. I'm also glad that they're incorporating the mask a lot more into it. That was a later edition um, from the comic, which they're just kind of retroactively putting in there. I like it. It's a nice visual. There's a few comic uh, comic panel one to one adaptations. I hope it's not smothered in those because those do get a little obnoxious sometimes, but the cast looks great. The chemistry seems to be there. It seems to be lining up pretty well. Seriously. Yeah. I think we w- should all watch this because it's going to all drop at oh, once. Oh, we will. And I think we should drop a mini review. We will. Yes. But not opening week. F you. No, give it like a week or two. Um, yeah. I don't think we have an episode count officially. I'm assuming it's going to be under 13, but... Yeah, that's a good guess. It, it's definitely going to be under 13. I'd say 8 to 12. I'm hoping 8 to... T- yeah, I'm thinking under 10... Eight would be perfect. Probably. It seems to be... Adapting, like, the first act-ish. It seems to be doing Resident Evil a favor by keeping it to eight episodes, so... That is true. That was one of the benefits of that But I'm only halfway through. Yeah. Um, All right. So So, the rest of the news is bullet points about the San Diego Comic-Con announcements. uh, So Black Adam released a Comic-Con sneak peek. It's releasing in cinemas October 21st. It's It's coming quick. It's continuing to look... Pretty good. I'm a little worried about some stuff. Obviously, it's a movie, but it looks solid. It looks like... I didn't watch this new sneak peek. I just remember from the initial teaser, there might be a couple jokes that don't land. Yeah. It seems out of place because the rest of the movie is like trying to sell him as an anti-hero and it's dark. But uh, I'm kind of excited for this one. The thing that I think, if they nail, I'm going to love it, is it's coming across as dark and edgy for a 14 year old but like in in a real way not like the movie thinks it's deeper than it is but like it seems like the rock is like because he's clearly having a lot of creative control over this is like for some reason he's obsessed with this character he's wanted to play him for like however long now and then they're really playing up the whole he's bad thing but it doesn't feel like he's gonna be a hero of course it does it just it doesn't feel like it's like, the studio said we should make this, like, edgy. It's more like this dude just said, what if we made this for, like, 14-year-old boys? <laughs> and I'm okay with that, if it, they nail it. It comes across differently than the original Deadpool. Cause oh, for sure. on paper, it's the same concept. Anti-hero that ends up being the hero in the end. I guess. Same vague idea. Very different tone, though. Yeah. So it's like... I don't know. I don't know if it's all in Black Adam's head that he's like, I'm dark and edgy, but he's not. That's the thing. I mean, he's definitely doing a lot of war crimes and violence, so I wouldn't bet yeah. on that. But I I think if they nail that, like, this is, it's having fun with its fake seriousness, then I, I think if they nail that, I'll be fine with it. it and seems, if it doesn't land, it's going to be rough. Yeah. So far, it seems messy, and I hope they pull through it. Yeah. Uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods got its first trailer. Crap, I didn't watch that one. I thought we already had a trailer. Damn it. Thoughts? Uh, it looks good. Um, You loved the first one. I quite like it. There are some things that didn't age super well, but that's a normal part of the process. Right. The fact that it, the first one really did feel like 
this was a really well-skilled YouTuber filmmaker who was given a big, a big budget and he's making like the best thing he can. It sounds like an insult, but it's the kind of the highest praise I can give. It definitely felt neutered in the third act. A little. Oh, we got to get this out now. For sure. Um, And this one looks to be similar to that, much bigger in terms of scope, bigger budget, the whole nine yards. But I like the fact that the characters have very much so clearly aged. They're like upper teenagers now. Um, The actress who plays Mary Marvel plays both the adult and young version of herself. And I just like that because she's like 20 now and she's playing like a 19 year old. That's cool. The only thing I'm not worried about, I'm a little concerned about, is just the the lore that they're going with, because Shazam has very fast and loose history and not a lot of it, Um, and they seem to be going in a somewhat original direction, which is probably going to be fine. It's just the only thing that makes me go, this could go poorly. I am Groot poster and trailer released. Uh, It's going to be five shorts releasing on Disney Plus on August 10th. So I believe they're all getting dropped at once because they recently released a Baymax series of shorts that were all loosely connected and they were all like 10 minutes a piece. So I think they're doing the same thing. And also this is confirmed to not matter. Like there's no lore in here. This is not even technically canon to the end. It's like the, the comedic Thor roommate bits that we got around Thor Ragnarok. James Gunn has said this is not really canon. He just wanted to dick around and make something funny for kids to watch like Groot taking a bath. Which is fine. I was wondering about this when I watched uh, Thor Love and Thunder because obviously Groot is there and I was like, I wonder if I Am Groot is going to have any part of this, but it doesn't seem like it. Nah, it's just make baby Groot do cute baby things. The trailer said something about how he's a tree of few words or something and I've been wondering that since the announcement. Like, how are you going to make this interesting to listen to? Like... What is keeping me from muting it as I watch it? Because I don't want to hear those three words a thousand times. I don't know, man. I'm. But the trailer kind of sold it. Like, there's a lot of music. There's the, a lot of, The yeah. visuals are interesting, and there's a lot of sound design with everybody, like, jumping around and whatever. Like I like the fact that the, what, the footage we did see showed, like, a lot of even smaller creatures that are reacting to him. And I think that's probably going to be the part that makes it bearable to watch. And it was like, um... Robinson Crusoe, no. Uh, I don't know. Oh my gosh, what's the freaking... I don't know. The giant man that's tied down to the beach. Gilligan's Island. No. No, wait, no. Is that Gilligan's Island? I would have sworn that's Gilligan's Island. Um, I know what you're talking about. Jack Black did a stupid remake of it. I kind of like that. I think it's Gilligan's Island. It is not! Hold on. I'll bet you 20 bucks it's not Gilligan. Shut up. Oh my gosh, why am I still... Because that movie came out ages ago? No, it's Gull- a classic book. Gulliver's Travels. Yes. Yeah, it'll it, be cute. I'll binge it and forget about it, and that's yeah. fine. Yep. What If Season 2 is coming to Disney Plus early 2023 with new episodes including A Hella Story, Odin vs. the Mandarin, Captain Carter meeting the Winter Soldier, and Tony Stark on Sakaar with Valkyrie and Hulk. Uh, as well as an episode previously that was a, that was supposed to be in season one, which was Gamora defeating Thanos and getting the gauntlet sword thing from the episode that was clearly missing from season one. Um, I'm fine with this. Since we watched it, it's really grown less fond with time. I, I think hmm. certain characters are very interesting, but I really don't like the animation and the uh, tonal whiplash that the show has is really not selling me. But 
I agree the animation was a bit rough, but I was happy to look past it and just hear different ideas because it's fun headcanon games for me. Yeah. So um, it's interesting that uh, they're dealing with Sakaar with the Hulk because I still want World War Hulk or Planet Breaker Hulk or whatever. Yeah. You also, know what I'm talking about. I did miss in here. I forgot to put it in. It's also confirmed we're getting a third season. Excellent. Um, That's fine by me. Yeah. Um, Odin versus Mandarin. I don't really care about. Hella sounds like fun. Yeah. I just want more Hella Captain. Sounds like Hella fun. <laughs> I want more Captain Carter stuff. So sue me. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, X Men nineteen ninety seven is coming to Disney Plus in the fall of twenty twenty three. Uh, character pop art has been shown, and season two has been greenlit. I believe it looks like there's going to be a I'm, bit of a time jump between the original series and the revival because Magneto is now the leader of the team. That's what I was going to ask. Like, is this the it's TV show that the meme is taken from? Yes, it's a continuation. And then um, I didn't put in the specific cast list, but it's basically the whole original cast. And they're also adding in another like 10 X-Men characters from general x-men history so the tv show is already on netflix or on disney plus it is they bringing uh, they're doing a new it. season correct okay um it also just recently got reordered to be in story order because like many cartoon shows it was produced and aired out of order of course that sucks um spider-man freshman year is coming to disney plus in 2024 it will receive a second season named sophomore year uh, the animation style is inspired by 1960s Spider-Man and is out of continuity with the MCU's 616 universe. Effectively, it's an extended what-if episode of Norman Osborn taking the place of Tony Stark in the MCU 616 universe, uh, with a different set of supporting characters, villains, and costumes. Doctor Strange and Daredevil will appear, with Charlie Cox set to voice Daredevil. Pop art of character designs were shown. At first, I was really confused about this because this was one of the things I was dreading mm -hmm. when it was announced to be in MCU continuity because they've kind of blown most of their good Spider-Man free will with me. But the fact that they're basically making this what MCU Spider-Man should have been um, has me interested. I really like the look of the animation style. It hasn't been shown in motion, but I'm really digging the classic look and the um, Doctor Strange and Daredevil's designs are also very nice. Also, I think a lot of San Diego Comic-Con was a lot of Charlie Cox news. Very much so. so Even though most of it's very small, it yeah. was impactful. Also, the Norman Osborn has the fucking waves. Let's go. <laughs> Marvel Zombies is spinning out of the previous What If episode. It will be TV Mature and coming to Disney Plus in 2024. I don't really care about where it's coming from, but the fact that it is TV mature is one, promising, and two, promising for other things, as like, well as the recent addition of Deadpool and Logan onto Disney Plus in American markets is very indicative of the potential direction of other properties we will discuss later. I am Groot season two. <laughs> Groot goes to college. <laughs> okay. Uh, he just says, I am Groot. And she's like, okay. Takes her shirt off. Oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, phases four through six of the MCU are officially titled The Multiverse Saga. She-Hulk, attorney at law, got a new trailer and poster. Daredevil is confirmed to appear 
in his red and yellow suit. <laughs> it is streaming on Disney Plus August 17th. The CG looks a little better, still looks a little rough. The comedy is landing better than the other trailer did. Daredevil, gimme. Mm-hmm. And it was also announced that Daredevil is there looking for Jessica Jones, I believe? That was a rumor that was not substantiated Ooh. at Comic-Con, but it was... That was either for She-Hulk or that was for Echo. I do not remember. That was a rumor that floated around before this. Oh, okay. Black Panther Wakanda Forever got a first trailer and poster. It will be dealing with the death of T'Challa. A new Black Panther is emerging. Uh, there's Namor, a conflict between Wakanda and Atlantis, and it will also star Riri Williams. It is releasing in cinemas November 11th, 2022. Ooh, 11-11-22. Whoa. Math. The end of phase four. So the trailer for this was surprisingly moving. I wasn't expecting that. And I have... I think everyone kind of universally has had weird thoughts on whether or not it would be a good idea to recast or not for this whole thing. But right. it appears that the movie was entirely rewritten around the death of Chadwick Boseman and... The way that Ryan Coogler and the actors have discussed the movie, particularly in the panel for San Diego Comic-Con, makes it feel like this was a, a good direction, potentially. They're, just the way that they talked about it, it's like they, in real life, they're mourning the death of their own friend, so it feels like a genuine direction to move in. Um, Namor is very Aztec-influenced, and I am super down. Much excite. Um, and it also visually looks fucking astounding. I know it's a trailer. Like, there was even just... High contrast shots. The, real lighting. The shot where there's a parade or something through town and they're walking over the Marvel logo right in the beginning of the trailer. It was like, whoa, that's a unique shot. You yeah. don't get that very often. Like, There were some really good shots in this trailer. Yeah, and it's a trailer, so you know it, it's the best footage they have and whatnot, but... It looked, I've said this multiple times with other footage we've seen of other properties, this looks like a real movie. It looks like an actual fucking movie. It doesn't look like some shot on a backstage with $5 in the budget. Like, it has real lighting, real sets, you know. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that translates to at least the majority of the movie. And I think including Ironheart here is probably a good idea to plant the seeds for later. Um, that's Riri Williams. Because uh. that is a character with a... A mixed history so far in the comics, mm -hmm. a mixed reception on initial release at, at minimum. Um, and I think they're going to need to lay the groundwork for that. It It's fascinating to me that they have Namor as the villain. Really? Yeah. Like Why? No, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's a good thing. It's going to be interesting to watch Atlantis fight Wakanda. It's another, yet another step leading towards Inhumans and... Maybe mutants, all very good stuff. And also, Namor has just been passed over so much because Aquaman always overshadows him. And this is true, and I, I, I get why Aquaman has more mainstream appeal to him because Namor is a douche. Not just a douche, he's a. He doesn't just bounce back and forth from being an anti hero to a bad guy for the sake of, like, he's edgy. He is legitimately, like, one of the worst. Marvel characters on the planet, and he has been from its in from his inception. Like he's not a good guy; he has understandable <laughs> motivations, but like there is no. You are a bad guy, but that does not mean you are bad. He's worse than like 
Ocean Master in the Aquaman movie is a pretty good example of that. He's he has understandable motives. He may even be kind of correct, but he is one of the worst people. And that is something I really hope that they nail, because if they soften him, he does just become Aquaman. That's the thing with Namor in the comics is he's he's done genocides. He is. That's fine. <laughs> he's very yikes. He's been a part of many, many bad people groups. Yeah. And he does come back sometimes, but he on his best days, he is an asshole. But in humans, though. Um, it was also very exciting to hear that this is officially the end of phase four. Like, uh, yes. I'm glad we have direction on that. The, the general framing of all of this news for the live action stuff was the thing that put the most amount of, com- the most amount of wind back in my sails, which we will get to a little bit more later. Um, really needed them to be more clear on where stuff is. So phase, f- yep. So the beginning of phase five is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Insert the- Spencer's bitching here. The first poster was released. Footage was shown behind closed doors. It'll be dealing more with the quantum realm, Cassie Lang, and the introduction of Kang. Um, it's releasing in February 17th, 2023. Yes. Um, I hope it's, I hope it's good. I like um, the actress that they've cast as Cassie. The fact that she got recast was kind of rude, um, but such is life, I guess. I Whatever. Um, having it be like a... A three-point team now is interesting. Um, I just hope that this, as a introduction to what appears to be the quote-unquote main version of Kang, lands because, as we will see more later, he is he is the big the big boy, which we kind of thought was happening, but right. it's a, it's confirmed now. So if this version doesn't work, you better hope that there are better variants out there. <laughs> I mean, that's easy enough to do because it's Kang. This is and you're playing with multiverse stuff already. Yes, um, I am. I it just the fact that I'm more interested in the bad guy they're introducing in the movie rather than anything else is more of a personal preference thing. I just I don't like this version of Scott Lang. I don't like either of the Ant Man movies. Ant Man and the Wasp is like one of the worst MCU films. So it also intrigues me that they're bringing Cassie. I don't know anything about her being a hero, but she is to, to have her grow up a little bit and be a hero with so many other young heroes in yeah. the last several releases, you know that there's going to be a Young Avengers or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm obviously fine with that. Right. I just wish they would announce it because <laughs> it's clearly le- leading there. Secret Invasion. Uh, footage was shown behind closed doors. It's coming to Disney Plus in spring of 2023. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Footage was shown behind closed doors. Chuck Woody Iwuji will be playing High Evolutionary, releasing in cinemas May 5, 2023. One, I nailed that pronunciation. Yeah, you did. I thought you had a stroke when you typed that. It was nope. like, whoa. And two, I'm really excited about that casting. When he was announced to be in the movie because James Gunn loved working with him so much on Peacemaker, I got excited. And I really like High Evolutionary. And also, this movie will probably actually make me cry. These characters are not all confirmed to be dying, but it is confirmed that this is the end for most of them to some extent or another. We're getting baby Rocket Raccoon. Much cute. Moving on. Insert Colin screaming, Oh, this movie made me actually cry. Yeah, yeah, I know. Echo was announced. Daredevil and Kingpin are set to appear. It's coming to Disney Plus of summer 2023. Hype. It seems kind of rough that 
Daredevil and Kingpin are all the talk about the show about Echo. For sure. Kind of feel bad about that. I but. I get why they have to, though. She's not a very popular character in the comics. She's not, like, hated or anything, but she's not, like, a main seller. She's yeah, just, she's she usually teams up with Daredevil or, or Moon Knight or whatever. So I, I get that they have to. And it is directly following up on the end of Hawkeye, where clearly there's a Kingpin and Echo story coming. So right. it, Daredevil has to be in there somewhere. At least, at minimum, he would be referenced, you would think. Um, which is fine by me. I, I do hope it doesn't overshadow her, though, because I did really like her in Hawkeye, and uh-huh. the actress put in a lot of work for that. Right. Um, Loki season two, picking up directly after season one. It is coming to Disney Plus summer 2023. Uh, the Marvels releasing in cinemas July 26th, 2023. Blade, releasing in cinemas November 3, 2023. That one we're hyped for. Much hype. As we finish out the rest of the lineup, this is the one that does really seem out of left field, and I don't know why they're doing it or how the hell it's going to tie into anything if it does, but fuck it, We're do it. We're still excited for Full it. send. Full send. <laughs> I just hope they don't nerf Blade because it has to tie into something. That would be dumb. That would be the one thing. I'm even okay with it being PG-13 if they really have to. You can you can do a vampire movie without... Yeah. It just... If they do... I think it's going to have to do with the Black Knight from Eternals, because that's where Blade was teased, was at the end of Eternals, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, and it hasn't been mentioned anywhere in this because it's one of the holiday specials things, but the Marvel Halloween special we're getting, I believe at the end of this year, it might be the end of next year, that's apparently going to have Werewolf by Night might be relevant to that. I don't know. Ironheart is coming to Disney Plus in the fall of 2023. Agatha, Coven of Chaos. It is retitled from Agatha, House of Harkness. Coming to Disney Plus, winter 2023. I looked at that for a while, and I... I... They really want to sell the the punny name. I kind of like both. Coven of Chaos is, like, a quarter of a point better. But House of Harkness kind of has a pun in it, and I like it. They're both fine. It, it marketing. I, I'm assuming there's no other real reason for that. The logo is almost identical, which is fine. Uh, Spencer just creamed again. <laughs> <laughs> Daredevil, Born Again, 18-episode series coming to Disney Plus of spring 2024. So I think the big thing to look at here... Is the title. No. Not, I mean, yes, but... Daredevil Season 3 basically ad- adapted Born Again already, so I think it is a metaphorical title that it's like Spider-Man Homecoming. It was Spider-Man coming home to Marvel. I think this is Daredevil being born, quote-unquote, again, into the proper MCU. Uh, it's confirmed that everything's in continuity, nothing is getting changed in terms of that. I'm assuming there'll be a slight tonal shift, that's what we're all anticipating. The 18-episode count is the thing I want to talk about, because the Daredevil show on Netflix... All three seasons had 13 episodes, which people thought were a little bloated. General complaint about most of the Netflix shows was they had a little bit of filler. Daredevil season three I thought was perfect at 13 episodes, though. But the Disney Plus shows that have had six episodes, including the Star Wars shows as well, have been complained about that the six-episode hard limit seems to be restraining the narratives a lot. And those ones were, like, clearly movies that they turned into a TV show. But the ones that are above six episodes, like nine and above, have been much better, like uh, Bad Batch, um, Mando, and whatnot. I know those are Star Wars shows, but it, it's relevant, you know? Um, 18 seems like a lot. So I'm not sure what they're doing, 
But if they felt comfortable announcing it, I would like to believe that that's a good thing. Also, an additional detail, basically the entire cast has been confirmed to be coming back. I did some additional research. Uh, the actors and the actors who play uh, Foggy and Karen have both re-signed contracts. Um, so, gang's back together. Let's fucking go. I hope they lean into Karen's story. Oh, for sure. Like, make her a drug addict and send her away. Oh, goodness. I hope they don't do that. They already They already did that in her past, basically. They did... Karen's been living with a bunch of dreadful secrets for a while. I don't want them to retread that ground. No, I want the downfall of Karen. (laughs) I want her to (sighs) fall hard and make tragedy. It would feel like a kick in the balls for no reason. Like, obviously there's drama to it. It just... They just, Matt kind of got his shit back together. They're all equal partners in the firm now. Hmm. That would feel like a lot. I'm sure they could come up with something, of course. It just seems like a really big deal in the comics. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't know, it just, this is, I am calling it now, this is the property. Whereas if this isn't at least good, I am going to check out. (laughs) It's on, dude, write it down now. I'm not even trying to be remotely exaggerated. Like, I'll deal with everything else being, like, mid as crap. That's whatever. I will maybe not watch everything initially on release. That's fine. But if this is... I I will dip. Because the cast and crew of this show, a lot of them are returning. The uh, crew and the writers and whatnot are returning from other uh, Netflix properties as well as other Disney Plus shows. They all deserve better than crap. And if they get mid to crap, I'm done. I, I will... It will really really rip my heart out rip it apart stab it and like squash it into the ground thoughts of suicide may feel impossible to overcome but with help and support you can find hope and meaning call the national suicide prevention lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK to speak to a counselor or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org it's free it's confidential it's available 24 hours a day seven days a week and even if it feels like it we're not alone. Captain America New World Order is releasing in cinemas May 2nd of 2024. Much hype. Much, 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 much hype. Yay. Let's, let's go. Wingsuit go burr. I know. That's what I was thinking about. It's like, I want the wings and the shield. And he I, has the wings and the yeah, shield. I didn't know if he was keeping it or if he was fully embracing the Captain America. I don't know. No. I don't know anything about this Captain America. So, more is good. Also, I hope that Winter Soldier is around, maybe. I'm assuming he will be in some I capacity. So. I hope that they don't make it a co-lead thing again, though. Yeah, that'd be weird. I like... That was the thing about... The really mixed bag that was Falcon and the Winter Soldier was obviously the chemistry between between those two actors is phenomenal, but I think they need to take Winter Soldier in a slightly different direction now, or legitimately make him have his own hero identity. Just go for it. That's fine, but don't make this some like sidekick crap. Like it's eh, that'd be a weird um, Thunderbolts releasing in cinemas July twenty six twenty twenty four. It is the last piece of uh, content for Phase Five. And it has a very Avengers font-looking logo. So that's something to take note of. <laughs> that's a secret tool we'll use later. Oh, yeah. Phase 6 starts with Fantastic Four 
It has Tom Holland's Spider-Man set to appear. It is releasing in cinemas November 8th of 2024. Genuinely, if we don't see Tom Holland until then, I'm okay with that. And not just because I'm tired, but because the actor himself has said he kind of wants to take a break from acting, even though he wants to play Spider-Man until he dies. And that's okay, because there's so much other stuff here. Like, if the... I don't know too many other places where him squeezing in would make sense. He has a very close relationship with the Fantastic Four since his inception. He looks up to Johnny Storm more than, like, anybody else in the world, which has well, probably won't happen, but, like, this seems like a good spot for him. I'm iffy on it. Because a complaint has been made about loud motorcycles. Mm. And dickheads that ride them. That's not riding, that's just sitting in front of your house. A complaint was raised, I believe by you and a lot of other people, that Spider-Man was relying too heavily on Iron Man. And Spider-Man is a very smart character, he should be able to make his own suit and tech and stuff. And uh, the movies just had Iron Man drop in like a rich uncle and be like, here are all my toys, have fun. So I don't want that to happen with Mr. Fantastic. For again. sure. I don't think they will. And I know that that sounds like way too much goodwill for me. Yep. But with the large time gap between his previous appearance. So No Way Home came out in... 20? No. I think it was last year. Was it 21? Wait. No. Yeah, I think you're right. It'll be like four years between Spider-Man appearances if he doesn't appear in anything else. And the we've already had uh, room not rumors official announcements from Sony and Marvel that they will be making another trilogy while he's at college, which I'm all in for. Uh, please, so I think I I don't know. That I, sounds like you're gonna be disappointed. I'm not like hyped, but I I know it's the a idea setting, is good. It's a setting change, and I think that's really what he needs. He needs the kick in the pants. We need the broke Peter Parker has Parker luck crap. We need it. And I think it's a good place to put it. And if he's going to be associated with any other characters, just to hang out with, because by then the character will be between 19 and 25, to, you know, and Tom Holland will be like 26. I don't think he's going to really need any mentor roles right now. I think he'll just be hanging out and being like, hey, because he now lives in downtown New York. Right. Right near where the Baxter building will probably be. So, like, I think it'll just be, like, chill vibes, you know? I need I need the spectacular bag man, okay? It's one of my favorite costumes of all time. Also, it's a good thing, in my opinion, that they're pushing Fantastic Four out to 2024. The end of 24. It is apparently starting filming very soon, but they're definitely making sure that it has time. Yeah. The, the, Give uh, it time to bake. This movie in particular, but I think the thing in general that goes for all of, the, especially the movies, is... These need good creative teams behind them. I, they don't announce those things for a while because they write these scripts mostly before they announce they like get a director involved. But we really need a good creative team on this. We need it. It shouldn't just be another journeyman director. Not to throw too much shade, morally, but like we need good people on this. And I I think this being a, a that far out is a good part of that. Uh, we also have Avengers Kang Dynasty, releasing in cinemas May 2, 2025, followed up immediately by Avengers Secret War, releasing in November se releasing November 7th, 2025. It is specifically been stated this is even more of a two-parter than Infinity War and Endgame, which yeah. 
Makes sense. It's fine by me. Um, and then... I love that there's six months in between releases. The like, fact that it's... That's what Matrix tried to do and failed. <laughs> true. Um, there are eight other projects that are included in Phase 6 between Fantastic Four and uh, Avengers Secret Wars, which are the two end caps of the phase. Uh, they are not listed at the event. Uh, they may include any of the previously follow any of the following previously announced projects, which includes Armor Wars, which was supposed to be a Disney Plus series, uh, the Wonder Man Disney Plus series, a Wakanda-based Disney Plus series, a Ten Rings-based Disney Plus series, a Nova project, whether it be a series or movie, a Shang-Chi sequel film, uh, Deadpool 3, the college trilogy of Spider-Man films, uh, and The Mutants, which is the rumored title of the first MCU X-Men movie, and I'm really hoping that that one is in Phase 7, but th- we do have a pile of projects that they have announced pretty... These are all pretty recently, um, so I'm assuming they just haven't figured out the timeline of how they're going to line them up yet, and that's why they're not saying what the full phase is. I think Phase 7 is a bit far for mutants, especially when you have Namor building up Inhumans and humans, and, and, and mutants are hand in hand yeah i think pushing it to phase six would be decent enough spacing if they can figure out what they want to do i after think phase six i think mentioning them and having them be a known element for phase six but not plot relevant whatsoever would be the better way to go because all the multiverse stuff is going to be concluding with a bunch of secret war stuff involving kang and maybe they will try to put in dr doom for that i don't know if that'd work in such a short amount of time but we'll see um i want the mutants to be the next big thing uh, I, after they need time okay. they need time to bake all of those elements because we've had two mentions of them in the mcu recently but they're borderline easter eggs we had uh um professor x in multiverse of madness yep. was stated to be a mutant and we got the little x-men 97 jingle and then uh kamala khan uh spoilers i guess at the end of her show was stated to have a mutation and we also heard the jingle again I do hope that they don't just keep using the jingle. I love that theme song, but they need to make their own stinking, like, mutant music for the MCU. Yeah. That would be lame. Um, and she was an inhuman, but she was basically originally designed to be a mutant anyway, so that I have no qualms with that. We'll talk about that later. Um, <coughs> I just, I don't want the mutants getting involved in all the multiverse stuff. I really think they need to keep those two things separately. Right. Plant some seeds, but do not have them have anything to do with the plot. I thought Deadpool 3 had already started production or it, shooting it's or in something? pre-production they yeah. have the script but who knows how long that'll take i'm surprised that it's in phase six i thought it by how much talk there's been already it would be in phase five and we don't know what they're doing with that so that i'm that may be the other reason i'm not the only reason i put it where i did in the list is because it's not anywhere else right it may be just not really a part of the mcu they're just gonna let deadpool do whatever that's fine which is fine i'm not i don't really care either way if i'm being honest i could go either way with it um i'm honestly under the impression it'll probably be just its own segmented thing and it will have nothing to do with the phases whatsoever um but it is just another thing that is announced that it is technically going to be somehow mcu canon and that they haven't placed on the timeline uh, I got a little scared for Armor Wars for a minute because that was announced like five minutes ago and it wasn't in the lineup, but I'm assuming they just don't have anything to say about it right now, so they just said, it's probably going to be in Phase 6, we just haven't placed the date yet, because Don Cheadle is a big, expensive actor, man, and he's leading it, and he's also set to appear in Secret Invasion and other things, so like, 
it's probably scheduling stuff, I would think, is why they haven't, they didn't lay out all of Phase 6. Uh, but both Phase 5 and 6 being roughly 12 projects is a lot, but I think they got the pacing down a little better. We are still moving at breakneck speed. This is way more stuff than I want. I will not stop talking about that. I miss when it was like two movies a year. But the um, the 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 movie to show ratio seems a little better. Mm. Uh, the the date the spacing of dates is a little better. Some of them don't have specific dates nailed down. I'm sure they'll shift around a little bit, like a week or two here and there. But the general impression of this whole thing is, we have a plan. Please don't go anywhere. And that sounds desperate, and it probably is. But that's been my biggest complaint especially on this show for the MCU for the past bit is phase four has been really up and down. And the biggest thing is I have detected no plan. And the fact that I I just, when COVID kicked off and delayed most of phase four and everything got reshuffled, I think that's when stating this plan would have been a good idea. Not necessarily as many details. I'm sure half this stuff wasn't planned out yet by then, but like once it resettled into the lineup that we got for the past like four movies and shows. Um, this this plan should have dropped like twelve months ago because that would have prevented a lot of paranoia and Meh. annoyance, at least on my part. Meh. I can take or take or leave half of these, but I'm just glad that there seems to be a plan. Yes, I'm less depressed. I'm not like super stoked, but reading through all of this last night was like. That's nice. It's nice to have structure again. Exactly. And I, I'm glad that they've reduced the amount of Avengers movies. It's going to be seven years between Endgame and Kang Dynasty. That's a long time, which is weird because it was, so it was 2012, 2015, 2017, 2019, if I remember correctly. Whatever. It's the gaps, good. that's a big gap, which yeah. is fine. And it's a two-parter, whatever. <sighs> it's a lot of news. It's a lot of news. I was surprised you were able to get it all, because I thought it was still going today. It's a lot shorter of an event than I thought. I think all this, it looks like all this stuff today, as well as the, day one was I think Thursday, or whatever, were basically just like small things, just um, discussion panels, Mm. and this creator's doing a signing, and they're talking about their, their thing that they're doing, like nothing big, it's just kind of the vibes, you know? The, the con definitely got shortened up, though, which is fine by me. Okay, can we pause and pee? Yes. Six and a half hours later. Blade seriously is, like, the major, like, what the fuck. <laughs> like, I get how it's gonna tie into things in the universe, but, like, the fact that it's on the slate, it's, like, a thing, and it's, like... What phase was it? Six? Five. Might tighten to phase seven, to be honest. I... That's fine, it's just, like... It is so much of a left field in comparison to everything else. Everything else kind of fits in like the two lanes of right. space slash cosmic, like, and then they have to the wrap war up stuff. Things they're doing now, but they also have to look ahead and yeah. have new threads starting in phase six and seven. Yeah, so. I think Thunderbolts is going to be the culmination of Armor Wars, Ironheart, uh, Captain America. Um, I don't know anything about Thunderbolts. They're basically the Suicide Squad, effectively. Really? Vaguely. They're usually employed by the United States government. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're good. Um, they're usually semi-bad bad guys, so it's usually led by Zemo. 
Um, uh. Sometimes it's led by Norman Osborn when he's being a bad guy. Uh, it's basically the Suicide Squad. They don't usually die. It's not phrased like they're going to die, but it's like a bad to anti-heroes doing potentially bad things. Hmm. Um, so that I think that's the culmination of like most of the ground level stuff. Ground level. As if all this isn't crazy sci-fi shit. Um, and then all of the space cosmic stuff is all leading up to the okay. Secret Wars being the end game of all of it, including right. Fantastic Four, I think. Which I'm, I see as a much better plan. Now that I I see it all on paper, lined up the way that they have it, it's like, okay, that's a lot of groundwork for Kang, to be fair. Because introduced in Loki that came out over a year ago. Right. That's like seven. I think you have to make it, do a lot of groundwork, though. Because the landing with Loki was like, really weird. And then... I dug it, but... You, you still have to... <sighs> As far as marketing goes, they have to make him as big as a bad as Thanos. Yes. He's very different, and I think they're definitely going to emphasize the different nature of it. Right. They want him to be as villainous. Yeah, and that's the thing, was I think that people are always like, they built up to Endgame for the 12 years. No, they were not building up for 12 years. They didn't know what they were doing basically until they hit the Avengers, and then they decided what they were doing, Mm -hmm. which is fine. The fact that they made it look like they knew what they were doing was very impressive. Luck. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing here. Where it's like, okay, they. I would say there's already more groundwork done here than there was for that time wise. It's very. It's still very, very condensed, but like, just looking at the progression of things, if they really sort out the, how the multiverse works a bit clearer, because like I said, every movie in this phase has done it differently, and that really, really bothers me. Um, but like, if you tighten that up a bit more. It just and then you do. I I, I'm betting I will put money on the fact that they're basically just doing Secret Wars, but removing the Fantastic Four Doctor Doom element, which was the best part of that story was the culmination of the Fantastic Four's entire publication history. But setting wise, it's a really good idea, (coughs) and obviously it'll allow for slight continuity shifting afterwards, and then a new. It'll end on a good note for like a. Oh, what's the term for it? You know how when every new writer comes onto a run, they have to spend a little bit of time reestablishing the norm and then slightly counteracting things from the previous run? It's like that, where it's like, that's what Phase 4 needed to do, and it has not been doing. I know what and you're that, that Yeah, um, there's a term for it, but it doesn't really matter. It's a, it's a structural thing where it's it's a return to normalcy, but different, whatever. It's a thing. But you know what I mean? I don't care what the name is. Hey. But like that, I think that'll be a good... <laughs> cap to that and then it can go we have planted the seeds for a bunch of things and now we can let the mutants actually be important because they're they have so much work to do with them to make it work again there's there's so many of the options they have that will remove all of any of the good shit you know if they're like they just you know what i mean Mm -hmm. the mutants are very impactful not just because like they are important because they're allegories like that's the only reason they work is that whole element you can't remove that and it, it will be shit so when I was on a work trip, I went to a bookstore and I found um, this style of Walking Dead. I think you know what I'm talking about. The skinny ones. It's pretty tall. Yeah. Um, they were like five bucks a pop or ten bucks a pop or something. That's so not I bad. got the first four like that. And then I went to Stairway to Heaven and I found four others. It was like seven, nine, ten, twelve or something. For like 10 bucks a pop. So I got them those. 
So I have a couple of holes to fill in. And then I went to Barnes and Noble and I found a different format. It's the big chunky one. Number four. Walking Dead has so many different formatting things. So it's like five of those skinny ones in one book. And I found that for 10 bucks. <laughs> so I have a large portion of The Walking Dead now. At least, I mean, yeah. obviously there's a thousand of them. but I think literally. Yeah. I think it did hit a thousand issues. But I'm up to like 150 pretty decently. And it's really exciting because I'm... We're going to have a lot of these sales here coming quick because they're re-releasing it in color now. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to be like, I don't want my black and white, I want it in color. And I don't care. Everybody died for Walking Dead mm-hmm. when it was in black and white. So give me black and white. It, it was made for. It's good shit. Yeah. It is really good. Man, you're you're going to either be like, the, the amount of language and violence and rape here is so great. It's fucking great. Or you're going to be like, holy shit. It is literally like... Every other I word is fuck. Read the first book a long, long, long time ago. The first ago. book was I, I got I think up to about book ten ish, so like fifty issues or whatever. Mm. And I like most of it, but by all means, it's just like yeah. There are certain. It's not even just just Negan's. Like no, like most of it is lit. like my dad opened one up. What I was I think I got it from the library, and he was like, "Nope, you're not doing that." <laughs> just the amount of language is fucking insane. Interesting. It doesn't bother me now. I'm a fucking adult. But when I was like 14, even he was like, yeah, okay. And you know my dad does not... Yeah, he's he's, he's not a prude. For the most part. Man. Once they got to me, they're like, he's fine. It, did he sneak Deadpool? Did he literally took Deadpool from the library? It's in his pants. Eh, whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> they did that. <laughs> All right. Um, you are a terrible we? person. Of course I am. I was like 14. The movie was made for people my age, but I was still too young to watch it in theaters. I lost a sticker. So, we both watched Ms. Marvel, the... Ms. You gotta bite into it. Ms. Marvel. Uh, we didn't discuss it weekly on the show because Colin really did not want to watch it. Um, even though, after watching it, I think he might like it, but whatever. Uh, that, that leads into a point I have. Um, right when it finished, I was scrolling Reddit as I was watching it, and there were a couple angry posts on Reddit because... And I was guilty of it. As the post said, stop saying this show isn't made for you, the average middle-aged white guy. Because, to be fair, the marketing said it wasn't. <laughs> it was me. It's supposed to be a teeny bopper comedy. So. But that's the same exact premise as most Spider-Man, isn't it? I was going to say it kind of lost its comedic character i think as the show went on yeah it starts out pretty heavy as feeling like a sitcom and then as it goes on it just feels like another marvel movie so i understand why we misunderstood it and why colin misunderstands it because the first two episodes definitely feel like that but then the other four are like just normal marvel movie and i think it rounded out pretty well so i basically agree i think for different reasons (laughs) i think I Okay, so I'm not we're not going to summarize the show. We're not going to do that. Uh because that's a waste of time. But I think episodes 3, 4 and 5 were a bit of a not a bit. They were definitely the low point of the show. Yeah, they kind of uh, dragged. The formatting really killed the uh the villains which turned out to be ass. Uh the the villains of the the other um 
I'm still confused about the villain. <laughs> like, Hold on. I can, what if I think, I, if I think, I can explain. Um, I know the name, whatever. The other djinn, what they're called, uh, I think, I think they're, that, that term is used in more of a slang sense. It's not the technical term. Um, but the, the villains of the show start off interesting from a lore perspective. This show has diverged very far from the Ms. Marvel comics very far. And I was very interested by that fact because if the writers decided that that was necessary and it doesn't really tie into the greater Marvel universe, like the, the MCU type stuff, despite multiple 10 rings, Easter eggs, there was definitely a few of those, which I'm so, those were nice. I missed them. Really? Like, as I was watching the show, I saw them all over the internet and thought it was going to be a big deal, but no, they were legit Easter eggs. I appreciate the fact that they're going to even if they never really go back to that whole thing, I think continuing to basically retroactively squeeze it into everything is good set dressing type stuff mm. where it's like, Hey, this was like the biggest world dominating secret organization. It's not really there anymore, but it was a thing. So for in the past, it probably had something to do with that thing. I liked that. And it, it, it didn't feel like it was beaten over the head. It was just kind of there. Um, that was nice. The, all the dimensional stuff was a little vague. Yeah, that's what I was confused about. I think it really was the runtime that killed that because the villains go from being very fairly interesting. Oh, hey, I have people that are from a different place. They want to go home, whatever, to like the same episode they get homicidal. And that was the turn where I was like, ah, okay, that that was clearly a we don't have time for this, which is lame. But the rest of it, the rest of the villain stuff was, was fine. The actors were fine. That's... It is weird to go back to complaining about Marvel villains again, because we haven't had that problem in a while. Um, <laughs> the villain stuff was pretty much unanimously lame, but I thought the rest of it was pretty solid. The family stuff really rounded itself out well. I thought the temporary time travel elements were interesting, if not slightly confusing. Yeah. Um, I think it's a closed loop. It just It's a thing that had to happen, so it happened type deal. Um, it was fun watching... Ms. Marvel learn her powers. There's, that's a lot of the show, and she definitely gets into it pretty well by the end. For sure, I think yeah, the the power escalation was pretty nice. They have nailed enough of the vibe of what she's like in the comics. I think not just character wise, but even like power wise, the powers are different. But like, she still does the embiggening. By yes. the time it's over, so, like, it, it's fine enough, I guess. I like it. The, I don't, I don't have mixed feelings on the whole diamond effects, because I'm not sure if they're supposed to, like, look, like, so weird that you know it's fake. I think, I, legitimately, I don't know if it's like, okay, clearly this is just budget, budgetary limitations, or, like, these things should feel like they don't belong in this world. So that was, like, whatever. The finale was kind of rough in terms of um, editing and action, but... The the sequence at the end with all of the kids diverting the um, damage control agents throughout the school I thought was kind of nice. The geography didn't make any sense, but it was a nice sequence. And the the only part that I really didn't sell was just like the la the ending sequence with um, Kamran. I like the character, but the the artificial drama of it with the whole. We're going to not tell him a detail, which will clearly bite us in the ass later thing. That's where it feels kind of soap opera-y. Um, 
don't know. I really liked the character. I was impressed by the time it was over. I liked the character in the comics, but I wasn't expecting such a... I don't know. It just... Yeah. It worked. <clears throat> it, it feels mean calling it mid, because there's high, high points, but there's also a couple of low, low points. For and sure. it's like, it evens out to be pretty heavily yeah. three and a half stars. I definitely think that the... Um, the format, I think, definitely is the biggest problem with it. This could have easily been a movie if they had written it differently or just have more episodes and put more plot in it because the plot isn't much. It gets just kind of awkwardly stretched out because of the editing and time travel and whatever. Um, it, all of the characters... Like I was saying, though, yeah. it, it still had an identity crisis of, like, we're, a, we're a teenage comedy, but we're also a superhero movie, but we're also... yeah. Ooh, I bad think guys I think the superhero movie stuff. the superhero movie part was definitely the weakest of it all. I was very I was I was fairly pleased with the teenage stuff, the family history stuff and a little bit of the extended lore. Um it just where it does kind of become like the semi-generic superhero stuff was kind of lame, but it was nice to see an actual reaction from the community, which is something the MCU distinctly lacks is like what the fuck do civilians think about any of this? The, almost all the movies just completely and utterly avoid it. And that was nice, while some of it is egregiously 21st century TikTok. It was it was nice to see, you know? Um, the costume, I was a little worried about. We got the, like, the final costume. There were some uh, set photos that came out which made it look a little too MCU ad lines problem. But I think it works well in motion. It looked I, really good. I would have made one slight modification to it. I don't remember exactly what it was, but when I saw it, I was like, one tweak and this would have been a lot better. I like the fact that the shoulders are still reminiscent of the Captain Marvel costume, but the rest of it is hers. I don't know if it's implied if her mom made that or bought it, but I thought that it was a nice moment. The fact that her family is like kind of part of it is cool too, because it's a different it's a it's a different setup than most of the other heroes we have, even the younger ones. It just it adds a lot of texture to it. Um, I also didn't find Bruno annoying. Bruno is one of those types of characters that I personally find egregiously annoying. The, uh, what's the term? The guy that was there all along trope really drives me crazy because it's usually done horribly. Um, but I thought he was fine. I thought he was funny. The, the side characters for the most part, again, villains aside, felt fairly well developed. The f I liked the whole friend group, which is rare for me in anything teenage related. It always feels weird. Um, I thought all the, the general social commentary was actually done fairly tactfully. Uh, the fact that they showed the, the partition was kind of crazy. I wasn't expecting that. And then her, having her be a mutant is... That's really weird. I'm fine with it. The actress herself is commentated on because she's a notorious like mega nerd, um, which is cool. Yeah, that uh, she, me appa up. she apparently she does that. Like she actually has a legitimate amount of input on the character, which is nice. Um, because she wasn't originally planned to be an Inhuman, the Inhumans were getting pushed in the mid 2010s because of all the stuff with Fox and the movie rights for the mutants and whatever. So she, if if, if it had been a different time period, that character would have been a mutant. So the fact that they want to move away from the Inhumans makes sense. Um, it makes her, her ancestry is all over the place, but 
it's fine. I I don't have a qualm with it. I'm more interested. I'm more interested in how they're gonna make all of that pan out. Mutants are humans. What do you think? This is fine. Literally, Spencer. The funnier part is more so that they distinctly said, "Hey, we're gonna put Black Bolt in a movie again, and we're gonna t- call him the King of the Inhumans, and then we're gonna everything else is gonna just continue to make the Inhumans irrelevant." That's funny. Kevin Feige's got a weird hate boner for the Inhumans <laughs> because of his like lifelong rivalry with Ike Promoter. It's a whole bunch of behind the scenes crap. I don't know. It was fine. Yeah, it's fine. It didn't feel like it was too much of like a <laughs> teaser. And I really liked the actual post credit scene. I thought it was a legitimate good setup for the movie because I know what they're doing. Oh. Or at least I think I know what they're doing. So uh, the whole she touches her bracelet and then swaps places with Carol Danvers, who looks really good. I really like the outfit. I dig it. I like the sleeveless look. Mm. I, th- I think it works a lot better. Yep. I've, I haven't disliked her costumes, but whatever. Um, so there, I don't remember exactly what they're called, but in the comics, there is a, a arc where I believe it was Marvel, the original Captain Marvel. He had a thing with, so they're basic, they're magic bands that when you both part, when two parties touch both of them, they switch places. It had something to do with the negative zone and, um, Oh, what's the character? You know that character who's always everyone's sidekick in Marvel? He's been the Hulk sidekick. He's been Captain Marvel's sidekick. Oh, sometimes yeah, 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 Sometimes he has powers. Yes, Rick Jones. There we go. Um, so, like, him and Marvel would, like, switch places sometimes because, like, oh, Marvel would get trapped in the negative zone, and then they'd switch, and then he'd be able to, like, fix it from being outside the negative zone or whatever. Um, I'm pretty confident they're doing something with that. And that would also, again, explain where the fuck Captain Marvel's been because... She right. was, they had the whole, she's been off in deep space thing, and then she came back for Endgame, and then since the end of Endgame, she's just been on Avengers missions. It looks like we've seen her physically be in hologram form, like, three times. Right. But. No explanation the of fact where that, she is and what she's doing. Exactly. Which, they might not address specifically, but, like, they I think it's a They can at least go- offhandedly say, oh, I've been Deep Space Nine. I think The Marvels is gonna be a rescue mission. Because we see that Carol doesn't have the band, she right. just appears. So I think she, like, touched it. She wasn't holding it, versus Kamala was literally wearing it. Right. So I think that this this kid, who does have the ability to, like, hold oxygen in with the crystal thing, I would think. Like, whatever. She can, like, make her own spacesuit, I guess. <clears throat> um, I think that, that Carol, now that she's back on Earth, forcefully, is going to have to go find uh, Monica, and then they're going to... Go have to go find Kamala, and I think that's going to be the movie setup or that something along like those a, lines. A lot of fun. I like it. It felt like a nice scene. Also, I like the fact that she's. It, if that room was clearly a male fan's room, uh, Carol Danvers would have immediately thrown the stuff that she was touching and would have given the "you" look because it clearly is like a fanboy room. I just thought it was funny. She's like, "Oh shit." Yes. This person is obsessed with me. It was a funny look. It was interesting that she didn't say a single word of dialogue. It was just all facial expression. Yeah, I think the reaction sold it. It yeah. was short. No, it, it's just interesting. It's funny. It adds to the humor. Um, I think this is one of the better shows. That's surprising. Not in its entirety, but I think that the... I don't know. It, mm, I, I have to... I haven't rewatched most of them. And I think that's one of the biggest problems is yeah. I haven't felt it necessary. I don't want to. I've rewatched WandaVision and it does, except that goddamn finale bit where it just goes off the rails and it's like, oh, sword. Aside from that, like, 
WandaVision was really good consistently. It utilized the TV format really well. I've been scared to go back because yeah. I feel like I'm looking back with rose-tinted glasses already. This is true. I just, there's something about all of the TV products that they're not nailing. And they're different problems for all of the shows. And it's just weird. There just hasn't been a stellar one yet. Yeah. It just, I like. should have. I like all of the ones that I like for specific reasons. Yep. But I don't know. There's something that's a little funny. It's got to be part of it's definitely the formatting. It's just something with the imposed limits is it's causing different problems in each show. Because Moon Knight was really good up until, like, the finale, like, skipped over so much material. And the whole isn't really actually that accurate of an adaptation, whatever, I don't care, problem. And, like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier had a lot of stuff cut out of it really clearly and had very mixed opinions on everything, which was really, really dragged it down. Uh, Hawkeye was edited into oblivion and like made to fit the hype culture problem because like every episode would end with like a kingpin you know yes it's just they've all had different problems so i think it really does lead down to that formatting problem like some of these should have been movies and some of these should have been really made into tv like loki i think works the most as the one season because it's like a tv show i don't know well moving on what have you been doing I read a little book called Murder Falcon, written oh. by Daniel Warren Johnson. Oh, geez. Uh, it was released in 2019 originally, and it collects, I want to say, six issues. Let me look. Eight issues. That's close. Yeah, so I read the deluxe hardcover that released in June 1st of 20... No. Was it that one? Yeah. June 1st of 2022. Colin bought a later copy. Haha. Because I brought it from him. Um... So, Burb does murder. Yes. Murder Burb. Murb. Murb. Burb. Murph. Murburb. Murp. There's, there's something in there. <laughs> um, a dude, a rockin' dude, is found by a burb. And it has to do with the dude used to be a guitar player, and the burb is connected spiritually to the guitar. And so they're touring the country, chasing back scary monster things. With the power of metal, and they're getting the band back together. It took them like four issues to say it, but they finally said it. They're getting the band back together. They get a bassist, they get a drummer, uh, they get a singer. That one, the singer part was done really, really well. I'm not gonna spoil it, but I was like, are they gonna, are they gonna? Yes, they did. Um, they get like a violin or player or a cellist or something over in Japan. That was kind of weird. There was also a cowbell guy. I read this in like an hour. Yeah. All eight issues. It just goes by so fast. You made the pun that it's speed metal, which is funny still. But it goes by so quickly because it's so visually 
interesting. The artwork is fantastic. It's funny. It's fun. It's clearly just a guy who loves metal making a comic for the love of metal. And I, too, love metal. Do you? And um, it's big and fun and goofy. Like, you can rip the story apart if you really wanted to, but then you would be the jerk because you're not having fun. Like, Stop having fun! Yes. One of my favorite memes of all time. Just, that format works all the time. Just let us have fun. Exactly. Metal is fun. Um, this book was fun. Until, like, the, the, the last couple pages when something sad happens. There are some sad things in the book as well. Sad things happen. But the book is fun. Very nice. Um, the book is 25 bucks, I think I saw. And I borrowed it from Colin for free. And it was well worth a borrow. Excellent. A fun hour read. <clears throat> Honestly, I expected more gore from something called Murder Falcon. I think... It was kind of gory. But bit. I was expecting like blood everywhere because it's metal and Murder Falcon. I think Beta Ray Bill had more blood, I think. Really? I think. You didn't read that yet, did you? I have not. I'm trying to remember. I don't know. It might be an image thing. It was know. interesting. What have you done? Ha so ha insert fuckboy noise. You're not gonna do back to back to back same topic again, no. are you? No. Alright. That's it's coming been up a couple soon. weeks. <laughs> that's that's later. Um so I'm gonna do a thing that you just did pretty recently. Whoa. Whoa, I know. Um I read the Department of Truth yes. Volume One, The End of the World. So, Jacob talked about this, like, two weeks ago. I've been following you on Goodreads, and I was wondering if you were going to do, like, Volume 1, 2, and 3 today. I thought about it, but I'm not going to. Good. I will be better. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Jacob already gave a decent summary, but uh, this guy who works for the feds gets uh, kind of abducted into an organization which is run by Lee Harvey Oswald, but we don't know if it's the Lee Harvey Oswald who murdered... Who, who murdered Kennedy, or if it's the Lee Harvey Oswald who was framed for the murder of Kennedy. Uh, they're a part of an organization that keeps conspiracies from becoming real, because in this reality, if enough people believe a thing, it becomes real. So they have to quell things that aren't real and shouldn't be real. For this, It's weird. It's so weird and so metal, and I love it. Uh, the fact that I avoided the ice, I knew this book was coming out. I remember when it was announced and I love James Tynan and I love these sorts of books. I don't know why I avoided it. I was on some drugs or something. This thing is like so far up my alley. It's coming back out my mouth. You also said that politically speaking, you align pretty close with Tynan. It, yeah. For... At least much more than I do. Yeah, so it and makes it... And you said a... that very generally. I have no idea what you were talking about. Oh, absolutely. that's all we need to say. No, for sure. It makes it a lot easier. Like, there's no... <laughs> I don't mean this in any sort of a demeaning sense, but it feels like I understand this more than you do. And that sounds really shitty. I don't know how else to phrase it. I kind of... Intu I get it. I alluded to that in my review. I was like, I get it intuitively. I need you to read this. I don't. I didn't have to think about it. I just understood everything he was saying because I get where he's coming from and I understand the terminology he's using, the the links between stuff, the very internet age of it all. Yep. All that sort of stuff. I mean, um, I don't think I really missed out on much besides that one problem I mentioned. Well, but no, I just mean. I mean, like you. You said you read it and you liked it. By all means, I'm very happy that you did. But it was more like, I was reading it. And I was like, I c it felt like something not that 
I could have written something of this quality, but it feels like something I would have thought up if I was high as shit. <laughs> I just want to clarify that it's not like there's a shadow layer to this that no, I didn't no. see. Oh, like, no, not at all. I just mean more like... We both read the same book. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's just the same plot points. It's more like... Um, I don't know. It just It's a vibe thing. It's just, it just vibes, man. It's Men just, in Black and X-Files and... Something. Lots of Deep throat. <laughs> yes. Shush. Um, yeah. All so, the King's Horses. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Like 19... What was it? 73 movie? Something like that. I, I love political thrillers, and it's, I like conspiracy stuff, and I like dunking on retards. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do in life. That's so, why we make this show with Colin. True. Um... Colin would probably also really like this too, to be fair. Um, so yeah, I have like all the same positives that you do and the same negatives. Um, the concept is really, really freaking cool. It's really unique. All the president's men made in 1976. Ah, okay. Dustin Hoffman, Robert Redford. Yes. Um, the art is really, really cool. It's very scratchy, scribbled in a notebook type shit. I love it. It, it's it's so close to Arkham Asylum. It's very expressive and sometimes extremely personable. It'll boil down to some really, really uh, close-up panels with a lot of detail work in terms of, like, emotion. And then other panels are, like, big, sweeping, like, wide IMAX lens type stuff. It's all over the place. Um, the, the amount of shadows on this is insane. It's shadow organizations. What do you think? Um, I do hope that some of the characters get a little bit more fleshed out. I'm yes. sure that they will, and I'm definitely sure that the whole Lee Harvey Oswald thing will be uh, fleshed out a lot by the time the series is over, but I'm sure it will. It's just something that this book is lacking a little bit, but it does have enough to go on for sure, particularly the protagonist, whose name I am forgetting, but he does have enough fleshed out. We get enough time between him and his husband and his other work that you get a feel for how he works. Um, and yeah, the issue about the school shooting thing was kind of rough. I got it more intuitively, I think, but it was, there's definitely a way to have written that, whereas it came across in a little better taste. Uh, I love this. I immediately went, I borrowed it from Jacob and then I immediately went to the store and bought it for $10. One, two, and three, right? Uh, yes. Uh, the first trade, because Image sells their books stupid cheap, uh, the first issue is $10 cover price. Bought it in a heartbeat. Um, Jacob has, I believe, the first publication version. I have the current one, which I think is the second or third. Newbury Comics exclusive cover. <laughs> Something like that. Um, this, this was phenomenal. Uh, the art was by Martin Simmons, and I have never seen anything else by this person, but I'm going to look up their stuff. It took me a while to find this book on Goodreads because I was like, yeah, that's volume one, but that's the wrong cover. And then I looked at my copy. You're, I was like, oh, uh, a special cover. Ooh. Yes. Um, I, I loved this. If I had read this last year when these issues came out, this would have easily been one of my favorite books of the year. Astounding stuff. I also bought, uh, volumes two and three, and I will not be discussing those right now. Um, when you're done reading them, I need to borrow them, please. Uh, yes. What else have you been doing? Um, I read Lock and Key. Volume 4, Keys to the Kingdom, still written by Joe Hill and still arted by Gabrielle Gabriel Rodriguez. 
Um, new keys are found. There's one that turns people into their spirit animal, basically. And it's fun because it's the first issue of this uh, book. And it's got a hardcore Calvin and Hobbes feel every time you're looking at it from Bodhi's point of view. Oh, yeah, it does. Holy cow. It's so much fun. It's kind of jarring the first couple pages because you're like, wait, what is going on? And then you go back to Bodhi's point of view and it's like... Oh, that's what's going on. This is fun. And it is fun. It's a lot of fun. Until there's um, murder birds and stuff. Um, <laughs> I can write clickbait. Scary demon well lady that's a dude still uh, is making moves on Kinsey and trying to be her boyfriend. And that's weird. And thankfully it finally ends because it was weird and cringe. There's many pedo vibes in these books. Yes. Um, the older brother that I still don't remember the name for um, is going through some stuff. But uh, everything picks up right here. Chapter 4. There's a special kid. And I mean special, like Colin special. Um, that is super hardcore into his action figures like G.I. Joe's and stuff. And so literally Henry Cavill and his Warhammer minifigs. Sort of. <laughs> but this kid always speaks in, like, classic TV military jargon. Like, that's all he can communicate as. Interesting. Because he watches a lot of G.I. Joe. And there were a lot of cool um, old-school military propaganda comic covers, like this page right here. That's pretty cool. It sets up the story for the issue. Uh, Kinsey is babysitting this kid and Bodie, and they're playing action figures and G.I. Joe's and stuff. And then there's a ghost that comes through that I haven't really talked about before. He's been uh, integral to the story, but just a character I didn't want to talk about because it's complicated. He finds the special kid. I'm going to just call him Colin. He finds Colin and leads him around the property on a walk and fills him in on the story and is like, listen, dude, you got to get the lock kids on the same page. They got to understand about Demon Well Lady that's a dude and what he's trying to do. So <clears throat> at the end of the issue, Bodie's in on what's going on, but is being Ah, you're just a stupid kid playing G.I. Joe's. Ignored. The last issue, the older brother puts two and two and two and two together and finally figures out that it's eight because simple math. Maths. And then beats the crap out of Demon Well Lady that's a dude. But there was a body swap because of the ghost. The, the same thing that caused the ghost that help them with their addition. <sighs> I was really hoping this was the end of Demon Well Lady That's a Dude, but it's not. They just pulled off a sick murder. I'm starting to see a little bit more where the show pulled stuff from now that you've been going over it. I try to, like, recap the story instead of just be like, I read the next book in the series. I get that. It's, it's, it's tricky to do that without being like, and here's the whole plot. Right. And I try to make it interesting with names like Colin... Demon Well Lady, who's a dude? Yes. <laughs> Need an acronym. I, I, 
it took a lot of work to not make it sound <laughs> aggressive. Yes. <laughs> I remember the first time you tried that one, I was like, whoa. That was close. <laughs> but the more I use it, the better it gets. <laughs> <laughs> this book is still rated for mature readers. Ooh. So Colin's not allowed to read it. True. But it's only because of language and blood. No booby? Uh, no, no booby. Very good. There hasn't really been booby in this series. It's just been um, scary themes in language and blood. Nice. So, I'm trying to wrap it up before next November, or this November. I think I have two left of the box set, I'm pretty sure. Something like that. Very nice. Thank you. Giggity. So yes, as previously stated, I got it for free because I won No Not November. Yep. We're going to make it a tradition. Oh, absolutely. Just like you're going to make you winning a tradition, huh? If somebody lays to that joke. Oh, yeah. Because you clearly have it wide. That's why you always win No Nut November. Yes. I got jokes for days. Oh, absolutely. What else have you done? Just like you've got comebacked up for days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I read Night of the Living Deadpool. Uh, it is a four-issue uh, miniseries. Just little little baby trade. Very tiny little book. Uh, it is written by Cullen Bunn with pencils by Ramon Rosanas. Uh, it is one of many um, Cullen Bunn written Deadpool miniseries, some of which are connected to each other, some of which are not. Uh, Night of the Living Deadpool is its own thing. Uh, effectively... Is this the one where he's riding the whale on the cover? No. That is Killustrated, which okay. I will talk about later. All right. Um, effectively, Deadpool wakes up like Rick Grimes. <laughs> This book is filled with zombie tropes. It is nothing but zombie trope after zombie trope. It is, he wakes up after a food coma, uh, passing gas and being like, where is everybody? And then he finds zombies and uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, and it's basically just him trying to travel around, meet some people, see if there are any other heroes that exist. They don't. Uh, and then him trying to find a cure, which I'll spoil it because it's an older book. Um, he, the cure is by having the, because be... <laughs> The zombie virus was derived basically from Deadpool. Uh, they were trying to find a cure for something, and then they accidentally made a bad thing, like it always happens with zombies. And the, th the good thing was derived from Deadpool blood, because he regenerates. Uh, he's like the strongest regenerator. Um, so he can be attacked by zombies. He might temporarily turn, but then he regenerates back to himself. So the cure, it, it, he gets eaten by zombies, and then the zombies turn into Deadpools. It is one of the funniest bits I've read in a book. The ending is hilarious. He just kamikazes himself into a bunch of them after drinking a bunch of the special fixie juice that was actually the bad dead people juice. And then every time that a zombie bites him, he turns the zombies into Deadpools. So... It, it's a really it's a really short book. It flies by quickly. Um, the art is fine. Um, it's a bit on the bland side, if I'm being honest. It's solid, but there isn't a lot of interesting design work. The most exciting thing is the fact that it is a black and white and grayscale book, with the exception of red. So it has a nice color palette to it. Um, the the special juicy drink that you were talking about was it Juggernog? <laughs> no. Darn it. Uh, um, I actually did think it was a fairly good use of a, like a bajillion zombie tropes. 
it's mostly Deadpool talking to himself. Uh, this is also before the over-memification of Deadpool that kind of took place in like the late 2000s, early 2010s, mm-hmm. which has been up and down since then with Deadpool being a little too internet meme happy. Um, he was He's still very jokey. He's very fourth wall breaky. It's just... Untainted Deadpool. Something along those lines, sure. Um, and I don't even hate the over-meme Deadpool. I still do find it funny. It's just, you know... It's lazier. Yes. It's a lot easier to come up with more pop culture references. Um, I bought this for $6, used from Stairway to Heaven Comics in Newington slash Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, It is, I believe, a $16 cover price. I would have bought it for cover price. Um, It's a good use of tropes. It's fun. It's out of continuity. It ends on a very funny note with him being like, maybe omniscience isn't so bad because all of the Deadpools are connected to each other. And it ends on a very weird... It's just a weird <laughs> note to end on. And I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, what have you been doing, my good sir? I know you have another thing for me. I want you to tell me about the other thing. Our last topic round for tonight's episode. Uh, I read the third reckless book, Destroy All Monsters, written still by Ed Brubacher and still arted by Sean Phillips. I love those covers. Yes. There's something about that time period of movies that they're they're mostly crap and corny as all hell. Yes. But there's something about them that is incredibly nostalgic. I'm for not me. real hot on the next book's cover. I'll show you. I've been on a serious Cullen Bun Deadpool kick lately. You have no fucking idea. I've been following you on Goodreads. I like that one. Why? Is mm. it the composition or the color palette? It's less busy than the other ones. Yeah. Bad vibes. Window out of nowhere. I think that's what kills me. I like this side of it. I don't like the window out of nowhere. Weird. In this book, uh, Mr. Reckless is having a disagreement with his sidekick cohort partner in crime. Uh, I think I talked about her during my first book review. Yes. Mr. Reckless lives in a movie theater... She comes by quite often and runs the movie gear for, like, the reel-to-reel movies, and they enjoy movies together in the old theater because they're both movie buffs. Totally platonic relationship, uh, which is all well and good. They aren't agreeing. They're mad at each other (sighs) in this one. I know. Tragic. Um, Mr. Reckless... Does an oopsie whoopsie mystery solving and it ends pretty suddenly and kind of on a flat note and he's kicking himself so bad mystery solve bad mystery solution and she's still not talking to him they're not friends anymore so he goes on a bender and then she figures out why it ended so suddenly and on a flat note and then the bad guy tries to burn down the movie theater with them in it. This one was... Hmm. This one's tougher. It's still fun. I still love this series. It's still very noir. Uh, There was a hint at the end that he's now writing his memoirs. There were a lot more plot points that weren't wrapped up in an attempt to continue the series and have just throw him uh, 
it's just Ed Brubacher throwing himself bones to be like, I can go in another place with this in another book. <sighs> this one's also pretty political. It's talking about uh, Los Angeles in a certain time era and the politics that goes along with it. And it was handled fine, but I don't care. I want gumshoe mystery stuff. And it, my that part isn't what's bringing down my review. It was... Ugh, I don't know. Maybe just the character being an anti-hero and going on a bender because he's depressed instead of being an adult. I don't know. That's what, like, all noir characters do, though. That's, like, the point. I don't know. I don't know what's bothering me with this one. But the second book was just a lot more fun. This one wasn't as fun. Weird. Not fun. Uh, I bought this one for cover price at 25 bucks because I was on a work trip in a place I'd never been before and found a comic book store because I was having withdrawals. <laughs> and was like... Alright, I know Ed Brubacher's name, I don't know anything about the series, I picked this book up and found out it was book three. And that really pissed me off, because there's no numbers or words hinting that this is part of a series anywhere on the freaking book. Hmm. Weird. So, that's very annoying. But, here we are. Have you purchased the fourth book yet? I have not. That or the fifth. Fourth one came out like a month ago or something. Fifth one comes out in a month or something. Nice. Yes. What else have you done? Wrap us up, big guy. I read Return of the Living Deadpool, which is a direct sequel to Night of the Living Deadpool. And it's still refer referring to a movie. Correct. Uh, so it picks up, uh, I think, a couple of years following the plot of the original book. This book follows a character. Uh, it's a late teenager girl i don't remember her name it is doesn't really matter i hope it's not trash what do you mean the name of the stripper in return of the living dead oh no um it's still a really weird character name yeah even though she's a trashy character and i've seen her pop up in other movies and when i see her name in the credits i go that's trash and i'm usually right lovely um oh odd peak inside my brain Okay. Uh, so this girl, she's a survivor. She hasn't known a world before the apocalypse. Uh, blah, blah. She stumbles across this, this Deadpool. He's a dead, but he doesn't have memories. He's a, he's a Deadpool. But yeah, uh, this book came out. Uh, mm, am I just retarded? Maybe. Okay, I was incorrect. Uh, Night of the Living Deadpool came out in 2014. I was wrong. Uh, and then Return of the Living Deadpool came out in 2015. So I'm just dumb. Uh, but this movie does have a bit of... <laughs> this comic has a bit of a tonal shift. It is definitely memed up a bit more. It's still within my comfort zone of Deadpool humor. Um, but it is definitely a lot more jokey. In a, in a good way. Uh, just a lot more like dialogue-based jokes. Um, so... Yeah, th this Deadpool is a joke machine. Uh, it, he has this weird scar in the middle of his head, and he doesn't have memories, and he's not as violent or whatever. Basically, the world has been taken over by Deadpools. Uh, there are still zombies, but there are hordes of roaming Deadpools. They all have different personalities, something Deadpool is known for, one, having multiple voices in his head, and two, dressing up in funny outfits for the lulls. Uh, so all of these, there are pirates, 
and Frontiersmen and Samurai. It's it's all over the place. They're just a bunch of Deadpools, uh, and they're all a hive mind. So it just the Deadpools are dangerous because they have brains and they use the zombie like they will find humans turn them into zombies and then turn the zombies into deadpools to grow legion it's crazy stuff so this girl uh, is trepidatious about this random deadpool she finds but he's all like i don't know what the hell's going on can you explain what the fuck's going on he has some memories of the original apocalypse but that's about it and effectively this is either the original deadpool or a Deadpool that gained enough sentience to sever his connection from the other Deadpools by putting a knife through his head and carving out the part of his brain that connects him to the greater Deadpools. Um, so he goes on a journey of somewhat re-self-discovery and dealing with these kids that he finds and her, this girl's family and whatever. He goes on a rescue mission. Um, again, it's like four issues long. It's short. It's a, it's a fun read. Um, the funniest part was they come across a church of Deadpools, basically. It's like a council of Deadpool priests and they are all, they're the, the, the fronts of certain factions, which are named after different writers. So different Deadpool interpretations. It's, it's a very funny joke because they all talk differently and they all have different types of humor, different, uh, looking word bubbles to be reminiscent of different styles of Deadpool. You know, there's a church of bun. Uh, it's, it's very funny. Um, yeah, they, they kill all the Deadpools, obviously. Uh, and then this Deadpool sacrifices himself and the girl becomes Deadpool because the world needs a crazy motherfucker, basically. Um, it's a, it's weird. Um, the pencils were done by Nick Varela and I liked the art a good bit more than I liked the previous book. The other one was fine. This one is a strong improvement. It's still a little bit on the less exciting side, but I thought the violence was done a little bit more uh, interestingly. There's a lot more action with a lot more characters, so there's a lot more um, diversity of weapons. Swords, knives, pulls, chainsaws, whatever. Um, the side characters were incredibly bland, and I did not care, but that's kind of normal for most zombie things, to be fair, so I don't know whether to criticize that or say you should have subverted the trope or whatever. Uh, and the ending, I didn't really buy. I laughed because it was so absurd. This woman just decided because that one Deadpool was different. She should put on a Deadpool outfit and go kill all the rest of the Deadpools because she's Deadpool now. It was like, that was kind of weird. But um, I just liked where I took the concept. Instead of it turning into like a Deadpool swarm takes over the planet as like a fungus or like whatever it's like they're all individual deadpools with their own slightly different personalities but they just work together kind of they also argue a lot and kill each other amongst themselves because they have disagreements because they're deadpool um it's just a weird concept and i really liked it uh it's a bit of an improvement overall on the other book it doesn't rank much higher though just because of the nature of the book it's a four issue fun romp throwing around some silly tropes and having some some laughs about it you know do you feel that these books were so much fun and so good because they were held to four issues i don't know and that's something i have a little bit of difficulty i i've thought about it of i don't know if i would like it more if it was more expanded or if i would like it if it was even shorter because there's something about them that feels a little funny um i don't know what it is i out of the somewhat limited Deadpool books I've read, I do like Bun's writing style for the most part. He has a 
He also mostly does out-of-continuity stories, so he can go a little crazier. He has a pretty decent understanding of Deadpool's sense of humor in combination with the fourth wall breakage without overdoing it, over-memeing it, or over-pop culture referencing it. A lot of it is just, like, taco and blood jokes, you know? It's a lot less... Oh, here's this random obscure movie reference from the 90s, or, you know, like, stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think the setting is interesting enough on its own if you wanted to make a longer series about it you could but you would have to put in a lot more effort frankly into the side characters and the themes and whatnot these books don't really have themes everything is about something except ghostbusters which is about nothing um everything is about something whether or not it, it intends to like oh it doesn't really have themes it's just a fun romp that fun romp is impacted by your view of the world like that's just how it works and that's something I think that the, both of these books could have used more of if you wanted to expand it. But they are limited to four issues, so the fact that they're pretty darn shallow is fine. Uh, I bought this for $16. Uh, I bought it at Jetpack, just full cover price. Um, this is worth a minor sale, like 15 or less, you know? Hmm. Like, if you're looking for it, then buy it at cover price, it's fine. But if you can find it for a couple of bucks off on Amazon or... Yeah, it's four bucks an issue, that's pretty standard. Normal, yeah. Or find it used somewhere for a couple of dollars off. Uh, I think that would definitely be a little bit better. Uh, Well, speaking of Jetpack Comics and Games, in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire... We owe them a massive thank you, a big, a big, fat, wet smooch on the lips. uh, Because they are are, our non-romantic platonic partners, we swear. Um, so, you like sloppy wet kiss, not. <laughs> go check out Jetpacks. Go check out Jetpack Comics and Games for all of your comic and gaming needs. Whether you like card games, board games, role playing, uh, they have some video games. They got a pinball machine, posters, plushies, action figures, figurines. Uh, dice, uh, cards, yeah, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever you need, magic, uh, as well as comics and graphic novels and collected editions, all sorts of fun knickknacks and whatnot. Uh, that joke is so old I've forgotten the alternative. It's sloppy wet or something. Unforeseen, maybe? Pretty sure it's unforeseen. Something like, yeah. I'm not inserting the song as a meme. <laughs> you should. Also, a big shout-out to our patron, Jeff Lorenz. If you would like to support this show financially, keep the lights on, keep the AC running, obviously not when we're recording, because then it gets really loud in here, um, you can go ahead and go to patreon.com forward slash dimecomicbros. We shout-out all of our patrons on a weekly basis whenever we drop a new episode. Uh, you get to get all of our content early by a couple of days, as well as some exclusive clips, segments, and a whole other podcast, Dime Comic Bros Happy Hour, which we will, we will be recording momentarily, whereas we have a drink or two, whether it be a coffee or, like, an actual drink drink, you know, actual, actual adult drink drinks. Oh, um, like water. Yeah, like water. Yeah. Um, and we just talk about random stuff. Sometimes it's relevant to this podcast. Sometimes it's weird personal stuff. All sorts of crazy things. We try uh, to keep the personal stuff down, though. We've been doing pretty well about avoiding that and, yeah. like, stimulating each other's brains with, well, what do you think about this? I'll stimulate your brain. Oh, yeah? With, with what? My, my... Water. Yeah, water. Uh, tune in next week 
where the three of us will we where the three of us will be, what i'm not making it next week what yeah i got Come a family on. thing hmm. yeah it's an yeah. all-day thing someone die no nah. rip that's fun yeah next week we will be reviewing wonder woman dead earth uh as well as i believe do a powerbomb issue two potentially hopefully if jetpack can get the restock in soon if not i'll just borrow it from colin colin has a copy yeah colin's already read it dubba um did you put all of our names on the poll lists or did you put two on your name or how did you do that pretty sure i put two under mine okay but i if you told them one of them's for you they'll probably be fine with it they don't really care well no i was just wondering if i should put my name on a poll list or no I just told Kyle to put put me down for two. Um, Thank you for listening. Go follow our socials and share us around. All your friends, family, your mother-in-law. She'd love to listen to us. I swear. I don't think we made a single dick joke. Probably not. Uh, As you said, Water, I was literally about to make a dick joke. I know. That's why I cut you (laughs) off. (laughs) Uh, Okay, cool. Cut it. Beer. Let's go.